And today's scripture reading comes from two different passages, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and Romans 12, 14 through 21, both from the message translation. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other to step in step with each other. Now this is Romans 12. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know what it is about the time change, but every time we do the fallback thing, it's so hard on my body to get used to that. Is anybody else in that kind of foggy moment, or is anybody really ha- Who's foggy? Raise your hand if you're foggy. Raise your hand if you're shouting hallelujah on the inside. You, peop- <laughs> you people are weird. <laughs> I mean, weird and you need Jesus. Listen, this is tough, but we're going we're gonna to do it. So last year at Thanksgiving, I preached right at Thanksgiving um, about getting along with people right before Thanksgiving because, you know, that's just what we need to hear. And, and I shared with you all that if, we, if I was going to speak at Thanksgiving and tell you all to be thankful, then aren't we all, if you're not thankful by now, you ain't ever going to be. So we're not going to do that this year. We're going to talk about peacemaking. Today we're going to talk about being at peace with those other people, the ones not like us. Next week, we're going to talk about peacemaking within closer relationships with our partners, with our children, maybe coworkers that we're with on a regular basis. We're going to get a little bit more of some meddling next week. It's going to be lots of fun. I'm going to ask my husband not to be here that day. (laughs) So I heard about a stressed-out woman in a hurry who was tailgating a slow driver. As they approached a traffic light, the light turned yellow, so the man in front of her slowed down and stopped as it turned rather than trying to accelerate through the intersection. The tailgating woman was furious. She laid down on the horn, screaming in frustration that now she would have to wait at the red light. None of us have been there, right? As she was in the middle of her rant, the woman heard a tap at her window and looked up into the face of a police officer. He ordered her out of the car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and put in a cell. After a couple of hours, he approached the jail cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal belongings. He said, I'm sorry for the mistake. You see, I 
I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing the horn and flipping off the guy in front of you and cussing up a blue streak. And I noticed the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker and the Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker and the Christian Fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I had assumed that you had stolen the car. <laughs> now, the guy that shared this, this uh, joke, he's actually a pastor, and he, he shares this little personal tidbit that uh, I, I could easily fall into so easily. Once when I, this guy, this pastor, once when I was a pastor of First Baptist Church, Poplarville, Mississippi, I don't even know where that is. I was driving, let's see, I was driving my car in town and got to a four-way stop. I was the first car to stop at the intersection, so I started to go. However, another car approached the same intersection from the other street, barely slowed down, and then went ahead crossing in front of me. I couldn't believe it. The nerve of this driver to steal my right-of-way. I laid down on my horn to express my displeasure. Then I got a good look at the driver and saw a lady who was a member of my congregation. My face turned red at the, as the stop sign. Let's talk about peacemaking. A couple of weeks ago, I think it's been a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago now, I don't think it's been two weeks, we had news that uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband, someone had uh, attacked their home in San Francisco, this guy did, uh, with a hammer and was looking for Nancy. And so um, it's, it's a miracle that Mr. Pelosi was not killed. Um, I can't imagine how horrible and terrifying that was for him. But then some guy that I follow, I don't really follow him on Twitter because he's a jerk, but anyway, he, he's like a bigwig, like in the executive councils of the Southern Baptist Church, and he's just not, oh, it's tough, it's tough. I'm not going to say anything bad, but I could, but I won't. Anyway, so he had posted a picture of this hammer and a pair of underwear, because that was the rumor, right, that He'd been sleeping. Of course, he was dressed like he was sleeping. And this guy posts a picture of the hammer and the underwear, and he says, go as Paul Pelosi for Halloween. I mean, have you ever? And all these people were chiming in, and ha, 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 this is great, this is wonderful, yes. What, what's great about that? You know, it just doesn't matter if you don't like Nancy Pelosi, but to want her 82-year-old husband of 100 million years to be killed by a hammer and laugh about that, I don't get it. Some years ago, Rand Paul was um, attacked in his home, or in his yard actually, by his neighbor. Now, this was not politically motivated, but he was attacked. He was hospitalized, and there were some issues. And I saw on t Twitter when this Pelosi thing was going on that Rand Paul was saying... I hate to hear this about Mr. Pelosi. I hope he has a speedy recovery. Regardless about how you feel about Republican or Democrat, okay? Regardless. That was a nice thing to say. And then somebody said something and somebody said something and he was like, oh yeah, I remember when he was attacked those years ago, Paul and Nancy Pelosi's daughter posted underneath his attack, your neighbor was right. Wasn't politically motivated, but still violence. It's still not okay. I do it too. I do it too. I think things about politicians and crazy preachers and all that kind of stuff. I think these things too that you do. I wrestle with them as well. 
I say them out loud as well. Uh, my husband can testify to the things I say when we're driving and I get irritated at people. We all do it because that is the culture that we live in. Our culture has given license to say these things and we say them and we, work, we partake of them without ever really examining for ourselves, what am I actually saying? This broad way, this broad path of a dog-eat-dog -dog culture is not good and it's not okay. And at some point we've got to think through it differently than what we've been doing. I make fun of them too. A while back, I had a Facebook memory come up from 2010. And I, I had written on this Facebook memory just this line, just this one line. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. I was horrified. Horrified that I said that. I knew who I was in reference to. I knew exactly who it was. And it was right there in black and white, my own words of dehumanization. I do not claim to have this one down good. I can't. I just can't. But I want to try. I do want to be better. And I get it. When we're teaching on a subject like this, I think Imago, for the most part, I think we try to do a really good job at this. For the most part, when I'm out to lunch with you or out at coffee with you, you're not using dehumanizing language against anyone. Not really. I don't see it on your Facebook pages like I do it from other churches, church people that I know. I, I think we are a congregation that really tries to not be that kind of person. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't get it. So this verse in Colossians about putting on this all-purpose garment of love. These five virtues are what, is required, what are required of us if we want to live in harmony with one another. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength or meekness, or, uh, and discipline or patience. In the Passion translation it says, be merciful as you endeavor to understand each other. Do we try to understand? Be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. <laughs> I'm easily offended. I don't know about you, but I am. In the New Interpreter's Bible, it says, this is the ability not to become frustrated and enraged, but to make allowances for others' shortcomings and to tolerate their exasperating behavior. That really got to me. I don't tolerate exasperating behavior very well. This commentary also says bearing with others involves fully accepting them for who they are with their weaknesses and faults and allowing them worth and space. Give them worth and space. And this is hard work. I mean, can we be honest? I'm being pretty honest with you this morning. I want you to be honest with me back. Aren't there people that just get on our ever-loving last nerve? Anybody? Yeah. Just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You see them coming, you're like, ooh, ooh. As Anne Lamont famously said, and I'm so excited because I'm getting to go see her in person this Friday night in Chicago. 
So I'm super excited about getting to see Anne Lamont. But anyway, she famously said, I thought such bad thoughts about certain people, I can't even say them out loud because they would make Jesus want to drink gin straight out of the cat dish. <laughs> yep. Yep. But what if we were the ones who led the way in peacemaking? You know, we know we're going to be around people at Thanksgiving and Christmas that we, they see the world completely differently from us. What if we decided we're not going to be offendable? Maybe we just walk out of the room. <laughs> now, I think that, and you know this, and I know this about you, I don't think we ever give a pass to dehumanizing language. We just don't. We have to speak up when that happens. And that's hard. That's really hard. But when it comes to dehumanization, we have to draw the line. It's not okay to use some of this language. It's not okay to say some of these things. Not even in jest. I mean, it's just, ugh. And I do want to talk about a little bit about what Libby said, that peacemaking and peacekeeping can be two different things. And I think sometimes we... I don't know if this is a southern thing, if it's a female thing, I'm not really sure, but peacekeeping for me meant being quiet and not speaking up and just, okay, they, that's Uncle Bob or that's my stepdad, just keeping the peace. And we hear the defamatory language and we just, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to stir up trouble. I don't want to ruin Thanksgiving. <laughs> we're afraid. We don't want to lose connection with someone. We, we're afraid of not being liked. We're afraid of being rejected. We say it's fine, but it, but it really isn't. We're keeping the peace, all right, but it's keeping the peace to make the other person happy, but it does something to our soul. It causes us to shrivel up a little bit. Keeping the peace to make people happy while making ourselves miserable is not what Jesus called us to do. Real peacekeeping, real peacemaking calls us to honesty and integrity and being willing to speak up and say, hey, I get that you meant that as a joke, but really the underlying thing there is just not okay. And maybe I joked about that with you in the past, but I just don't think it's good. To speak the truth in love. We love that phrase, don't we? Because that's been weaponized against every one of us, speaking the truth in love. But there really is something to it. We just have to check our own motives and make sure we're not coming from a place of arrogance or self-righteousness. Real peacekeeping and real peacemaking requires us to wear our all-purpose garment of love. In Romans we read, Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. I love that because I do that a lot. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry to buy that person lunch, if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. The spiritual practice, the spiritual concept of stepping back and allowing God to avenge wrongs done to us was not really something the Jewish people really excelled at. 
theirs was a world at this time, conventional wisdom was one should do harm to one's enemies. You can get them back and do good to one's friends. Now, this is not what the Torah taught them, but this is a people far removed from the Torah. So their conventional wisdom was, you do bad to me, and I'm coming for you. But Jesus taught them something different. Actually, Jesus was teaching them what they had already been taught. Jesus taught them in Luke 6 to give their enemy the other side of their cheek to hit if their enemy strikes them on the cheek. And then Paul reiterates this practice in Romans. Is, are Jesus and Paul actively telling us to passively accept physical blows from someone? Are we supposed to be some kind of doormat? Are we never supposed to speak up for ourselves, stand up for ourselves? Are we literally supposed to offer our other cheek to someone who has hit us on this cheek? I don't think that's what Jesus or Paul were teaching. I think Jesus was teaching us not to react to violence with violence. Two wrongs don't make a right. This is a vicious cycle where no one wins. If we just keep hitting each other, nobody ever wins. We're just bloodied and bruised from one another. And the whole meaning of what it means to be a Jesus follower in this world is lost. The New Interpreter Bible says, striking a person on the cheek was a form of insult, a physical expression of cursing or reviling. Turning the other cheek is an equally dramatic and physical form of non-retaliation that breaks the cycle of violence and rejects the principle of retaliation. You know, I think for the most part, we don't physically strike out at each other, but we do with our words. We do it on social media. We do it through passive-aggressive memes angry quotes, and so on. What if we really took Jesus at his word and decided, you know what, I'm going to break this cycle of violence with my words. I don't have to respond to this Facebook post. I can just keep on scrolling. I, I don't have to engage in this ugly mess that we get into in conversations with people where it's just dog eat dog. I, I can one-up you. I can one-up you. I know a little bit more, so I'm going to one-up you. And it just keeps on going. So we have an election coming up in a couple of days, right? <laughs> Let me just say this. Not all Republicans are evil. Not all Republicans agree with the people who caused the January 6th insurrection. There are, there are Republicans that grieved that day while they watched in horror. Pete N. says, we have placed a Jesus label on the destructive patterns of this world. We have. And this is one of the ways we've done it, is labeling one another as evil. Not all Democrats are evil. Their values might be different from others, but they are not evil. They see the world differently, but they are not evil. They are horrified by all this violence, just like certain Republicans are. They both see that placing a Jesus label on a destructive pattern is not okay. In my opinion, are either of them doing enough to stop it? No. That's my opinion. 
I, I know there's people on both sides doing more than what I think they are because I don't know everything. I don't. Not all theologically conservative Christians are evil. Not all theologically liberal Christians are evil. Not all people trying to get into the country from South America are evil. They're not drug runners or rapists. Not all Muslims want to harm us. This all or nothing has done us so much disservice. As far as it depends on us, we have to find ways to live peaceably with one another. Ashetta Moore says, if you're having trouble discerning your enemy, just ask yourself one question. Who is on the other side of my empathy? Who is on the other side of my compassion? Who is on the other side of my sensitivity, my understanding? And what we have to do is tell a better story about that person. We have to break this cycle of violence with our words, with the stories that we tell ourselves about the person on the other side of our empathy. A few weeks ago, there was a story that came out. Uh, Sonia uh, Sotomayor was interviewed about her time on the Supreme Court. And uh, they asked her about Clarence Thomas. And this is what she had to say. I try to find the good in everybody because if I can treat them as people with good things inside of me, they can feel it. They can feel that there are things inside them that I value and they're more willing to talk to me and do it in a respectful way where we can value each other. I have disagreed with uh, uh, Clarence Thomas more than any other justice, which means we don't come together on many cases. And yet I can tell you that I spend time with him understanding that he is one of the few justices who knows practically everybody in our building. He knows their name. He knows the things about their life, what their family is suffering. He'll tell me, you know, that that, that person's wife is sick right now or that person's child is having difficulty. There's no other justice who does that, none. I try, but he does it better. He cares about people. Now, he cares about legal issues differently, and he sees those legal issues much differently than I do. I, I tell people, you know, Clarence believes just like him because he grew up very, very poor that everyone is capable of picking themselves up by their bootstraps. And I understand that some people can't reach their bootstraps. That's a fundamental difference in how we view what the law can or should or does for people. But I can appreciate him for that. This is one of the hardest pieces of the work we do. Maybe we should go to lunch with them. <laughs> Maybe we should buy them a, a lunch. Eugene, Peter says, Eugene Peterson says that the church at its best should be a colony of heaven in the country of death. Church, are we a colony of heaven in the country of death? I say that as tears filled my eyes. Are we? I pray that we will be. I pray that we will be that colony of heaven. Because we need it. Everyone needs it. As we get ready to come to the table and partake in communion, may we be remindful of that this morning.
that we want to be that colony of heaven in the country of death, that we want to understand better. We, we may get to know these people that we are diametrically opposed to and still be diametrically opposed to them. That's okay. But could we see them through a different kind of lens?